from New York City today and San Francisco. And we have a special show for you today. I'm really excited about it. It's a show on South Africa and its business, youth, and education. Why is this so important? We often say that the United States is actually the mecca of capitalism. China is the mecca of manufacturing. India is the mecca of technology. Well, South Africa is considered the heartbeat of the world, and we're going to focus today on South Africa and its partnership with the world in reference to youth education and business. Some of you may or may not know a lot about South Africa, but today you're going to get to find out about it in a whole new way. So there are many things that uh, some people don't know about South Africa. One of those things is that FIFA... um, also was there in 2010. They built a stadium just to support FIFA in coming in. FIFA is the soccer, the international soccer that happens in the international uh, championship that happens every so every so many years. And um, so we look forward to sharing that more with you. Now, without further ado, I'm bringing on our co-host Jay Logan. Hello, Jay. How are you? I'm doing great. Great. It's wonderful out here in uh, sunny sunny San Francisco. Um, doing great, but we're going to get some weather changes this weekend. A little rain is coming in, but today is kind of a cool day, Bill. Well, that's great. Well, can you bring us up to speed a little bit? I mean, you know, we have such a great show. Before we go on, Jay, I just want to share with the people who we have on. We have Timothy Maurice, who is from... South Africa, he lives in both New York half the time and South Africa half the time, does great business globally in bringing people into South Africa, a thought leader, a a personal brand specialist globally, an author, speaker, and strategist. And a lot of people usually have these titles, but he is actually very exceptionally um, successful at it, (laughs) you know. So that's really great. Then we have the East Rand School of the Arts from South Africa. I am so excited We've been working with these guys since last year to support them in having more students in the school, you know, um, being able to pay for students uh, to go into the schools because a lot of people don't realize in Africa you have to pay for each child to go to school in many of the countries, not all, but most of them. And then we have a gentleman by the name of Robin Crespo who is with ING Activewear. He created jackets to fight malaria in Africa. So that students and and women and and men can go about working and going to school. I mean, like Jay, this is one of the most amazing shows. I am so excited. So Jay, without further ado, would you share a little bit of the news that you have today? Okay. I sure would. I, I was wondering, Gail, have you ever want to ride on a spaceship or be involved with a spaceship that goes to a space station? You know. <laughs> At times, yes, I have. I have. It's it's so wonderful that, you know, these young kids today 
they can participate in outer space stuff. Like when I was a little younger, we didn't have that opportunity. Well, these, there's like 15 students in America, and they were able to come up with these little experiments to send up their experiments up to uh, to the space station up there. And it's a private testing company that's doing these uh, little uh, travel excursions, taking uh, their rockets and sending them up to space, to the space station. So one of the kids, uh, two of the kids came up, uh, with uh, sending a glass of wine up there to see if it uh, fermented faster. And so I'm just happy that they're doing a little experiment and they're getting to learn a lot about uh, experiments in space. And it's great that kids now get to be involved. Um, NASA no longer supplies the space station up there, but they have private industry that are now sending uh, private ships up to the space station and supplying them. So this allows the uh, the regular common folks to get up and to be involved in experimenting with experiments in space. So I just thought that was a neat little story uh, that's happening with some of our youth. They get to experiment with space and space stations. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so, so yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's one of the wonderful um, the things. I, I wish that when I, was, uh, when I was that age, I would have got that opportunity. I always wanted to be an astronaut. Um, so I guess I have to leave that for my uh, my daughter. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> I would I would love to hear more about the next one that you have because you have two more things that are pretty interesting today as well. Well, yeah, I do. Um, um, I'm a fan in the music news. Um, I know you like Elton John. Elton John has a bit of pneumonia, and he's uh, he's he's well, he's getting better now, but he's in the UK trying to get better now. So you know, we lost some icons this year, and. That's one. I love Elton John, and I just want to, uh, you know, say, get well soon, Elton John. So that's what that's the other music news. That's what's going on in the music news. Um, um, and I also, um, in, uh, in in far as the tech news, um, um, tech news, um, uh, Yahoo uh, lost a. Uh, they had a little a problem with the CEO. And he's no longer with the company. Um, he had to leave, and so Yahoo now it's uh, they have a new start. And for those of you that have Yahoo Mail, uh, we're supposed to get a improvement in our uh, our, mail, our mail status to where we'll be able to um, browse faster and interact with uh, Gmail a little faster. So those are some of the things that's going on for for Yahoo. Uh, company out here in California. Really amazing. Is are you know? Why don't you share a little bit more? I'm really interested about that space station. Why don't you share a little it's, more about that? Okay. Well, it's, it's wonderful. Private industry now are taking over with NASA. You know, um, America. We don't send NASA. Uh, we don't send rockets or anything space shuttles or anything to space anymore. And so we have allowed private industry to take over that sector. So eventually, uh, hopefully, you know, we're going to have flights into space where we can experiment with people actually going to space, seeing what it feels like to be an astronaut, and coming back down to Earth. So now we have private industry. It's almost like sending UPS or FedEx to space now. You have companies like that that are sending experiments. They're supplying the space shuttle. They're going to have inter- inter uh, flights that go 
to space and land over in Japan and land back here. So people now, we're getting into the Jetson age where people now can experiment, experience excuse me, uh, going to space and coming back down. So, you know, I don't know if I want to do that, but uh, for those of you guys that want to pay that big ticket, uh, you can get on a space rocket or the new shuttles that they're designing, these private companies, and experience, experience uh, being an astronaut. So now the world is changing as we see it, um, space travel. Well, you know what? What, I'm, what is very interesting about this whole thing is it's just it's just pretty interesting all that you're sharing here. It really is. It what is I'm sorry, go ahead, Jay. Yeah, it's great. And then you and then you know, our kids. Our kids are doing experiments in space. I mean, I remember we used to go on field trips and just going to the park, you know, I'm going up to the zoo and I'm going to the park and I'm gonna, you know, shoot a rocket off or I'm gonna do something uh in at the beach. But now you can send your experiment, your class experiment to be sent on a rocket ship, who would have thought that 20 years ago? It's incredible. You're absolutely right. Um, that That is amazing. So why don't you share a little bit more about, um, you know, what you had uh, about the Yahoo and the, you know, what that's going to mean for people. Well, what it's going to mean is, that now you will be able to do a lot of things on Yahoo because Yahoo will be integrated with your browser. And so the things that you do with your email, you won't have to actually go to your email account. You can just do it with your browser. So they're going to have a lot of different file sharing and a lot of different type of things you could do now, which will make your browsing and your Internet experience a lot faster and quicker. I mean, you can even integrate your uh, your printer and your email and your Microsoft Word and all of this stuff can be done from your browser with Yahoo. And so these are some of the things that are coming in the future. So basically, the Internet is going to get faster and faster and faster. Everything is going to become basically one bundle where you do everything from your browser. Oh. Is there any more news that you want to share with us today, Jay? Um, uh, other than that, that's uh, pretty much the news for today. Um, uh, that's it for today. Um, I'll be looking forward to next week. Well, Jay, what do you think? What do you think about the fact you know the we're um, about South Africa and you know the music of South Africa? Wow, you know I, I think that's something that's really great because I always was interested in some of the instruments that were made before we had these common instruments like the trumpet, you know, the regular, the standard flute, the saxophone, each, don't get me wrong, those are beautiful instruments, but South Africa has some of the first instruments ever made. And I'm always interested in hearing what they sound like. Um, the first pianos were made in Africa, the kalimba, and how they interact today's with today's music. So, I'm really interested in hearing what are some of the names of some of the instruments, and I hope our audience uh, is ready for that because I would like to know myself. Um, some of the drums, I know some of the drums were used for communication, but they also were used to play beautiful music. So I want to hear, I want to see, I want to hear and learn what their music sounds like in South Africa and what the natives are doing there 
and what the people, what kind of music they make. And that'll open up, open up my eyes to the world on a global scale. That's really great. Well, you know, I, what, what else do you think? What about what do you think of South Africa's um, instruments that they make themselves, Jay? Share some more about that. Well, uh, I know they make all types of different types of drums, and they have all types of different types of chants that they do, and the rhythms. They have these polyrhythms, and everything they do is more on a social type of thing, which means something. You know, like a lot of our music in America, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to pull our music down, but our music is based on the same, I love you, you love me, 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 me. But their music seems to be more telling stories and teaching, which we need to get back to that in our country, uh, telling stories, chanting, talking about how we can make things better, talking about the animals, talking about the jungle, talking about, you know, they're telling stories and they're telling history. So it's a little different. Uh, that's a little different kind of music. It's kind of social consciousness music. Um, and I'm hoping that America can get back to that type of music, social consciousness, to be, make people aware of what's going on. So that's what I'm interested in hearing, some of the stuff that they're doing there. I know I remember uh, uh, Grace on an album that Paul Simon did. And well, basically, you, you sound like you're really on a roll there, and I hate to interrupt you, but our guest is here, which is Mr. Timothy Maurice. Hey. <laughs> so we're going to bring him on in. That's great. Hi, Timothy. How are you? I'm incredible. How are you doing? Oh, we're this is fantastic. Having you on the show, we're doing great now, and we have to apologize to our audience for the technical difficulties. But we're so happy to have you on, Timothy. This is actually a pleasure for us, and we want to thank you for taking the time out to be with us and to discuss, you know, youth, education, and business and you being a thought leader in the areas that you are, you know, of branding, design, innovation, an author and a strategist, and someone who's been successful in doing these things. So, you know, without further ado, I'd love to introduce you to our co-host here, Jay Logan. Hello, Timothy. Hi, How are you today? <laughs> I'm incredible. I'm excited. I'm glad to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, you know, Timothy, uh, you know, before we start off, is it okay if we go right into the questions with you? Because we're so excited. We're a little bit behind. And we, we just can't wait to find out, you know, a little bit more about how you ended up in South Africa and, you know, and find out what your journey has been and to share that with our audience and to see through your eyes what it's like living in South Africa, what it's like having had interactions with the youth doing business, uh, traveling to other parts of the world, and just a bird's eye view, you know, of someone who's been able to have this opportunity and to be able to interact with so many different cultures. So without further ado, I believe Jay has some questions for you to start off. Yes, I do. Um, one of the questions I had is, uh, just a second here, one of the questions I had was, was it your dream to do what you do today as being a consultant, it, was this something that you wanted to do as a child? Is, was this your passion? It was. Thanks for the question. Uh, I've always had this sort of instinct that I think was nurtured at an early age to write. Because essentially I see myself as a thought leader, an author, a columnist, <clears throat> and the other work that 
comes from uh, me being a writer, such as speaking and consulting, is merely sort of like a consequence of the writing and thought leadership work. So at my deepest core, I've always been interested in ideas, and uh, growing up, it was, for me, it was always <clears throat> that, that there was a burning urge inside of me to share ideas and not to preach anything, but to really sort of engage people with ideas because I felt like it was ideas that moved the world. If you look back at the age of enlightenment between the 1650s and sort of like close to 1800s, when um, Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. That's something that I learned at an early age that the idea of thoughts really sort of was a regulator in terms of how we saw ourselves and how other people saw us. And being able to exchange ideas was, you know, a core sort of asset in the human, um, you know, the human discourse. I think, therefore, that I am. Um, my question also is, what's the definition of being a personal brand philosopher? Could you, and what's, what's the definition of that to our audience? Sure. So philosophy comes from the Greek word sophia, which means passion for thought. You know, branding sort of semantically can be sort of like over thought or you know, in, 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 in many ways, the way people see branding is not actually accurate. I mean, branding comes from the Great Depression. You know, when supply outstripped demand, you needed a way to be able to carve a story in people's minds uh, about your value proposition. So branding, to me, you look at the two sides of it. It's the story around the value, and I'm passionate about stories and narrative and developing. So my editor at the Star newspaper in South Africa nine years ago, about a year after I started writing that column, is the one who coined the term of me being a philosopher. So he felt like the ideas that I put on the table were ideas that had sort of a philosophical uh, probing, passionately probing sort of uh, angle to them. So if you look at Brandy, the idea of sharing stories around a value and positioning a story, I've always felt like my core role and my core objective in society and how I go about my purpose is passionately and curiously told in ideas. So personal brand philosophy is a person who specifically is engaged in sharing stories, engineering stories to inspire people to be more curious and also allow me to be more curious. That's very interesting. That is very interesting. You know, one of the questions I have for you, Timothy, you know, when I hear what you're speaking of is thought leadership and branding. You know, a lot of people, we hear people say the words, but you've given us uh, somewhat of a definition of it, which is great. I'd like to know how does thought leadership branding show up differently in South Africa, United States, and Europe? How, how is it different to you? Well, I mean, there are two, I believe, from my work around the world is that, I mean, I've worked throughout Europe, from Romania to France. I've worked in China, throughout South Southern Africa, working about eight African countries. And when I look at uh, the whole world in terms of its core philosophy, you can really split them up, split the world up in two core key philosophies. You have your sort of Western uh, sphere, which is obviously America and Europe and so forth. And you have the, the philosophy of the I, the independent uh, person, the 
fact that the eye regulates most parts of how a person sees their pursuits in life is that we're independent. And if you look at you know, China, you look at India, and you look at Africa, it's about the community. You get philosophies like Ubuntu. Uh, if you look in Japan, for example, there's no word for I. It means I am a portion of. That it's about the community. So branding in the developing world, in the communal space such as India, China, and Africa, the methodology has to roll, be rolled out completely differently because you speak to the fundamentals of a person very differently. In America, I speak to the I. In Southern Africa and other parts of the world, when I did a tour, for example, in India, I spoke to universities, and I had to re-engineer my conversation because I just come from doing work in, uh, in America, and I had to really re-engineer my approach because the we is far more important than the I. So the way it rolls out, I'll give you a practical example. If I am tried, if I'm attempting to inspire someone to think about uh, themselves and success uh, in India and Africa, etc., you really have to speak to the collective more than you do the person's sort of fingerprint in their personal pursuit. You have to consider the fact that in South Africa, if I'm going to talk about personal branding. I have to rope in the collective all the time, but otherwise I'll lose uh, my readership. Wow. But, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, the next thing I'd like to ask you, too, is, you know, based off what you just said, how it is when you're working one part versus another, we would really like to know, Timothy, you know, since you said this is growing up, this is something that you did think about, that you did dream about, We'd love to know what is it like living in South Africa, living in Romania, living in France, and then also living in the United States. I remember a conversation you and I had where you stated that you live part of the time in the U.S. and part of the time in South Africa. How is it like going between both cultures and then coming home and experiencing the people here at home, coming here and then experiencing, I mean, in South Africa, experiencing people in South Africa? Can you give us a bird's eye your sure. Sure. Well, I will say, well, first of all, I need to clarify that the, the work I've done in France and Europe and India, China, wherever, were extended stays. I don't consider myself having lived there. I think, you know, just working on specific projects there, staying there for a couple months at a time. So uh, I, I just wanted to clarify that. So I've basically lived... Um, on the east coast in the states between New York, D.C., and North Carolina, and I've lived in South Africa um, for the last sort of 10 years. I just wanted to clarify that. So in terms of um, in terms of having to assimilate between the U.S. and South Africa, there are very specific things that I think one should do or should consider if they're going to be successful. Uh, and the first thing is that you know, as Americans, we are really sort of taught that our perspective, that the I, the individual pursuit, matters. And you know, when I go, when I come to New York and I come to, back to South Africa, I usually take about a day or so to reassimilate for this specific purpose. That, like today, I was this morning, I was speaking at a conference, a Brand Africa conference, where we had Kenya, Uganda. Uh, I think um, the 
the marketing council from besides South Africa, there was I think uh, Angola and um, the other country was uh, Rwanda there at this conference. And the big thing is that sometimes the Africa wa- Africa wants to deliberate throughout the collective conversation more than hearing about your your particular idea. That they want to see that this is a uh, collective more than an individual pursuit. So as a consultant, oftentimes you want to be able to position the conversation on the table where it doesn't seem like you are in control. And for me, that's been a huge sort of um, uh, challenge oftentimes. I mean, I had to sort of shift how I approached my writing. Uh, you know, now in South Africa, I have about 14 million readers between my various columns. And between this readership, the one thing I've learned is that people want to feel like they're also driving the conversation, that the weekly columns come out in a way where they feel like you're not preaching to them as much as we are. It's a, it's a sharing. It's a platform of sharing. And that's, for me, that's a huge difference. I mean, I've consulted several sort of clients that have come from the U.S. here, and they learn very quick that to, you know, put your power suit on and start to sort of like running things doesn't roll out very well. And you receive a lot of resistance uh, very quick. And I think a lot of people come here, fail miserably, and go back in the last 10 years. That's amazing. Um, Timothy, I, 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 I went to your website and also went to your, your blogging site, and I was very impressed with what you're doing. And it was just amazing that, you have people from all over the world responding to you in so many different languages. And I don't know if you speak all those languages, but it's amazing that you had all those people responding to you. Um, my question was, um, basically, I was wondering, um, I noticed that on your blogging site you said um, one of your interests was watching others fulfill their dreams. Could you go into a little of that? What do you mean by that? That, that was one of your interests. Could you tell the audience a little bit what do you mean by watching others fulfill your dreams and that was your interest? Sure. So as a columnist, um, you know, you develop sort of a public profile and you engage and also engage, if you probably see some of the clips on um, my website from various TV platforms, I upload a few of those just to give people sort of an insight of some of our media relationships and so forth. And, you know, being a public sort of personality, you get a chance to share ideas uh, in a public way, and people engage you and they tell you. I shared some of the testimonies. I have people who started reading my column nine or ten years ago who say, when I started reading it, I was in high school. Now I've gone through university. Now I'm working. I've still been following your column. So I get sort of a bird's eye view uh, by exchanging with my readership. And it's one of the great pleasures in life is watching people grow and they email you and they tell you their stories and they share how their ideas, my ideas, um, have sort of like helped re-engineer some of their thinking. Uh, and to be able to be a small part, just a small part of their life, is, is just such a huge blessing. And, and, and that's what I was referring to. Wonderful. You know, um, one of the last things, you know, what I'd like to do in 
this next segment, if it's okay with you, Timothy. We have the East Rand School of the Arts on, and I'm really excited because we have you and them on. And I want to introduce them, and I have a question for you, Timothy. I know that your time is short, so while they're on, I'd like to bring them on because I think this question really is important to all you know, people to hear, especially with someone such as yourself, you know, living in South Africa and bringing all this experience to our audience and, you know, being an American there who's gotten to connect with people from so many places. So um, without further ado, I'm just going to introduce them quickly. Uh, good afternoon. Is this the East Rand School of the Arts? Are we on? Hello, is the East Rand School of the Arts there? Oh, I guess we don't have... Hello, is the East Rand School of the Arts there? Okay, we'll see how we can bring them back on. Okay, so um, one of the things uh, I'd love to ask you, Timothy, is the, the schools, you know, the youth in the schools in South Africa and the youth in the schools in the United States. I know you've done some work with youth. What is the difference that you see in the youth in both countries, and how do you think the school systems and the youth from each country could learn from each other? I'll speak from a very specific example. And you know, in the United States, there's an, really, you know, an amazing program called the LEAD program. Are you guys familiar with the LEAD program? No, no, please go into it. Yeah, so the LEAD program is based out of Penn. Uh, it was um, about a 30-year-old. It's about a 30-year-old program that takes kids from minority communities in America and uh, advances them in summer programs, such as some of the top universities, and they partner with uh, top uh, companies who are interested in this young talent that they find. So essentially, it's a triangle model. And a good example would be they taking would be the California model that they've taken with um, Apple computers and um, Stanford University, and basically they took kids from minority communities, uh, exposed them to the, the technology they use to put in the Apple computers, and then they get they pay for their um, time at, um, at Stanford when they graduate high school, and then Apple hires these students. So I got a call about five years ago from the CEO of the lead program based out of Penn in Philadelphia and said they want to roll it out in South Africa. So essentially there's an exchange dynamic in the program where American students from LEED, um, some of the top students come to South Africa and participate in the international program, and then some of the students, um, top students in South Africa, go to America. Uh, but while they are with each other, they teach each other their own cultures, they teach each other their sort of belief in terms of study habits, attitudes, behaviors, and so forth. And, I mean, there's far more similarities between the top students there and the top students here than we would have thought. I mean, one of the things that came out early was that a lot of the South African students seem to have slightly more resilience. Uh, and then a lot of the um, U.S. students seem to be sometimes more exposed te technologically. But where there were gaps, the students made up those gaps very quick. I think that because of the sheer size of the market of the U.S., people develop in the U.S. develop an elasticity often, and then because of the sheer magnitude of the challenges relative to humanity and so forth on the continent, 
people tend to sort of develop, you know, particular parts of the brain like the amygdala, the emotional memory seems to react slightly different here. So you find a dynamic where there are gaps, but they learn from each other very fast, which which really excited us because it showed that there should be a lot more international trade, there should be a lot more um, conversations happening between the two communities because they work together really well. Timothy, I also have a question. I've noticed that you have a wonderful ebook online, Personal Ovations. Is that correct? Could you yes. uh, get into a, Could you get into a little bit of what that what that ebook is about? Because it seems like it's very very uh, motivating. So I just like to let our audience know what you're doing there because it sounds great. Sure. So the ebook, um, you know, I I mean that book. It's done really well in South Africa. I haven't published that book in America. We've, it's only been in um, Africa, and it's become a really bestseller. It's going to print fourth time. And then I had a lot of people, a lot of my clients before us, who said we would like to have it on our Kindle and iPad. So that was the reason I made it an e-book. Uh, but essentially, personification is a word I coined about three, four years ago, which is uh, what do you do when you outgrow what you are known for? Personalization is personal innovation. Innovation is a Roman word that means it comes from the word novate. Innovation or novating is releasing from something to gain something new. So personalization at its core is about being willing to release your old identity, your old brand, and your own perception, your old your old story. It's like going from when you are a student and you go into the job market. People still see you as a student, so they treat you like a student. And your job is to sort of reinvent yourself and become the professional. Or you go from being single to married, you have to reinvent yourself from being single to married. Or a more complex level, Africa reinvents itself from the dark continent to the continent that's arising. You know, so reputation and image, you have to sort of be willing to let go of something to gain something new. So I sort of grapple with this idea sort of from a philosophical level that to really move forward, it's not about just creating new things and new identities. It's about releasing from something and to get to that new place. And being having the courage to release and to move forward is really what I explore in this book. Uh, that That is wonderful. You know, I'm just, wow, that's great because, now I was wondering, this, this is exciting here. Does that book deal with people's fear of releasing? You know, like sometimes people are afraid to move on to the next thing. Does that help the individual with that fear of moving on to the next thing also? Yeah, it does. I mean, the book is based on seven steps, the first of which is purpose, understanding your purpose uh, as it relates to your values. So I have various models in the book that looks at your, your deeper, how to you know, sort of explore your deeper purpose that comes from your value system. And um, that section, I think, it deals with it, um, you know, in a fairly, fairly sort of, you know, uh, simple way, but in a way that will inspire people to want to really engage. How much is how much is the book online? What's the what's the what's the book going for? And then how do we get it? Is it? Uh... <clears throat> well, you can go to Amazon and type in, you know, preservation in the book section, or type in my name, Timothy Maurice Webster, and you know, Amazon runs these promos all the time. Uh, I think it's something like uh, $14 or $10. I'm not sure at the moment. But um, they they constantly are sort of running promos and so forth. But 
I don't think it's ever more than fourteen or fifteen dollars. Well, I'm gonna. I'm- Timothy, I have to tell you, this this brings me to our last question. You know, I'd really like to ask you something. We we spoke about fears. Are you there, Timothy? I think we'll have to we'll have to bring Timothy back on. I think we lost him. So, um, Jay. Yeah, your balance has been completely used. To make an international call and either receive a bill in the mail, use a credit card, or make a collect call, press one. This is real. <laughs> this is this is hysterical. Uh, we're really having some issues here today, Jack. Uh, technically, <laughs> well, this is what happens sometimes when you have an international call, folks. You have to please excuse us. <laughs> we're 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 working here, but this this was amazing having Timothy on. You know. And and he yes. seemed to have went off at the right time, which we didn't intend for that to happen. <laughs> so, you know, Jay, you know, what do you think about this? I thought it was amazing. I mean, I, I wasn't prepared for how amazing it was, and I, I think uh, this guy really knows what it takes to from all from all sides, from the branding, from the reinventing the brand, and to creating the brand. Uh, I mean, you guys should really get this book he has. I'm going to get it and uh, and check out what he does because I think it's amazing. And just being a consultant, and we didn't get a chance to ask him all these wonderful questions, but I know we'll have him back on the show. We'll definitely uh, so. have him back on the show. I think the next time I will know how to, you know, work with the telephones all over in, you know, over there. You know, and shortly we're going to bring on um, the – South African school with Mr. Tabane and Mr. Edom, who are the headmasters there. It's just, you know, it's just really been amazing to have, to get such an understanding of this. And again, audience, we thank you so much for being really patient with us, because as you can very well see, we've had a bit of a issue with uh, bringing others in. Jay, can you, you know, you know, going back to what you were sharing about, you know, the instrumentation. And the music, what did you think about what he had to say about the youth in South Africa and the States, you know, being that you have a daughter yourself? Well, I think I think that that was interesting what he was saying because I got a, a vibe from him that they went back to the basics. And uh, he was talking about I, 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 and people are more into I, and people should be more team players, you know. And I, I see that, you know, South Africa – they're more team players, not not slamming my country. I love my country now, everybody, so don't take this the wrong way. But we are more individualized in America, I think, and that's my opinion. And I see that the other countries, South Africa, they're more like a team. You know, they're like a football team. Everybody goes. If one person goes, everybody moves. And I think we need to get back to that. You know, I think I feel like that too. I, I think I very much think so too. And um Right now, folks, we're going to dial over to Mr. Tabane over at the East School, the, the East Rand School of the Arts. So if you will bear with us while we call in now, that would be great.
Hi, Jay. Hey. Yes, Kitty. Yes, Mr. Devane. We are glad yes, to have you on the show. You are live on the show right now. Yes, Kitty. So uh, we're excited. We we figured that you had a, a bit of a technical difficulties as we have with the show today. Okay. Yes. yes. Because I actually I I actually had you when you introduced us and then when we tried to respond to you we couldn't communicate we couldn't connect. Well now you are on the show live, um, and are are you able to call back in? Actually we are on another phone we have put on conference call. Okay, so are are you able are you able at this point to call back in, sir, or? Uh, actually, if you can see indication on that one, because we can hear you from the speaker, I can hear myself on the speaker, so then I can just drop this one and then maybe continue on the other line. Okay, so if you would, we'll, we'll hang up with you from here. Audience, we'll have Mr. Tabane and Mr. Edom shortly. So we'll hang up with you here, sir. Okay, ma'am. And you can call in now. Thank you. Sure. Hi, Jay. Yes, I'm here. And I know. This uh, is, audiences, this is what happens when you are on blog talk radio. It can't get any more real than this. This is the behind the scenes. We do apologize for all of the breakdown that we're having here. <laughs> now, you know what? Let us see if we can actually um, call back maybe our our other friends, the other friends that we have here which is Mr. Timothy. You know, we should try and, and get him back as well, Jay. What do you think? Oh, okay, let's give it a try. Okay. Uh, live radio. <laughs> <laughs> this it is. This it very much is. Very much is. So, so Jay, you know, so you were about to share with us your thoughts on the youth, and you were saying how getting back to the basics is so important. What about in what Timothy said did you feel really brought us back to those basics? Yes, I did. I did. And then how he was sectoring off the world, uh, the West is like this, and this is kind of like this. Uh, he wasn't stereotyping or anything. He was just saying that, you know, we have more of an eye over here, and, um, you know, because, you know, um, us Americans, we used to have our own TV, our own car, our own things. So we're more into the individual things. We have a lot of traffic where I see uh, South Africa, it's more more team play. So I guess you have to deal with different mentalities, being a brander, and by him dealing, dealing with different philosophies, he has to do different things. So, yes, I feel that uh, uh, this guy, Timothy, knows a lot of what he's talking about. I feel very comfortable with him, and um, I hope we can get him back on the show and at, a, at a later date, if not today. Um, the other thing that he said was uh, we were talking. I was getting into the fear factor of being rebranded because nobody really discussed that, and you were getting into into it too, Gil, before we lost them. Because this is a very important thing, you know. After you do something for so many years, uh, and you're done, and the cycle is ended. Or they no longer need that uh, that type of uh, thing anymore. You've got to be able to go on to the next thing. And us in America, we have a hard time dealing with that. People who work for the car industry, people who work for some of the computer companies have lost their jobs, and they have to be retrained and rebranded and drop the old stereotype. And you taught me a lot about that, Gail. You taught me and showed me a lot about that 
that you do have to rebrand yourself. You have to change. I learned a lot from you. So by him saying the same thing, it just uh, basically basically showed me again that what you were telling me and teaching me was the right and proper thing to do. And uh, it's important that everybody knows that and not to be afraid. But this is also helpful to youth as well, because with our youth, they find it hard. They already have growing pains, and they often find it very hard themselves. And you can imagine if it's hard for an adult to rebrand themselves, it's hard for a youth, you know, youth who are growing up and they've been branded as a nerd or whatever have you. Um, it, it's very hard. So it, it, it's interesting um, to see that. So, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It, I agree with that. I agree with you. It's definitely very hard. I'm speaking from a, a youthful person who has to change because they're so mind, their mind is set on what they want it to be and what, what? they are. And, Jay, yeah. I have, so before we bring on our next guest, I really would like to know what you think about Jelena and the students in her school. What do you think that they could learn from the South African students? What do you think they could possibly learn? They can learn how to be a village, how to not bully, how to work along with their kids. and I, I mean, I see a whole different mindset over with the South Africa children. When I see them on TV smiling and, and playing with one another, I don't, see, I don't see some of the things we have here where everybody's pointing fingers in our country and you've got some of the bullying going on. You see a, you see a core village. You see everybody working together as, in unity. It's a unifying feeling, and I think they will learn how to unify. I really do. Um, we need to take some of that culture and bring that over here because I think South Africa been, has been through so much historically, they've learned how to unify. We need that culture over here in our country. We need these kids here to learn how to unify. We need these kids here to look out for one another and watch each other and, and make everything a safe haven because that's what America needs to work on. Um, bringing the village back, and that's what I see. That is very true. What else do you think is possible that Jelena could learn in terms of their academics, Jay, as well? Uh, striving for excellence, um, having a great work ethnic over there, uh, not so much watching the entertainment, but being part of a solution being part of, you know, pretty much doing your homework, doing your chores, being organized. I mean, I think they have a whole other, another standard over there because they don't have as much as we've had in America. I'm not saying that we're spoiled over here, Jimmy, we're spoiled. <laughs> and so, you know, you don't, get, you don't do your chores. You don't do things. You have to stay on top of them. But over there, everybody appreciates the education they're getting. Everybody appreciates what's being done. Um, I think Jolene and them can learn a lot. It'd be great to take uh, her school on a field trip to South Africa so they can see. They, you know, it would be a life-changing changing thing by taking kids over there so they can see. I just see a sense of uh, community where the community plays a bigger role over there. And we just need a little bit of that in America, just a little bit of that, not being so segregated and pushed over here and pushed over there and these kids over here and these books over here. And these taxes are over here. So I just see a one country. You say South Africa, you see one country. Well, so, well, speaking of that, 
We finally are able to get the school on, so we're going to dial into them right now, okay? Great. And if you, great, great. While we're dialing in for them, Jay, would you mind just sharing what, you know, you have been to several schools to share with the students. Can you tell us through your eyes from what you've heard for South Africa and how the schools are there, and when you've spoken to the students in the schools there, what do you think this, they, the students would appreciate? Because sometimes our students don't realize how great they have it. Right. right. The, the students here um, in, our, in our country are more into me and I. And uh, when I when I go to the schools out here, I mean, here's a good story. I went to the, I went to the schools to share some um, some education and some music. Uh, all the kids, uh, instead of um, really listening, they all popped out with phones better than I had. In other words, they had iPhones and Androids, and these kids were like 12 and 11 years old. They were more into taking pictures opposed to learning. Teacher in the class, Jill, say, oh, you guys can respond now, but when I'm putting up the English assignment, nobody knows anything. But since Mr. Logan said you guys can, you know, you guys want to talk and, and do all this stuff, but he couldn't get them to interact in their academics. So it was funny listening to the teacher say that to them, and I think that that shouldn't be the main interest for children. You know, children in our country need to focus, focus a lot more. Um, that's the difference. And I think if they went to South Africa, they would probably learn how to focus. And I think the teachers there are more into getting the class to focus and committed to excellence. Hey, that's very interesting. And, you know, over here, I can honestly say it's been interesting because I don't think the kids realize what they're losing. They're so much into technology that they've forgotten a lot of other things. And, and that does concern me. So without further ado, Jay, we're actually going to bring in, hopefully we can bring in the school right now, okay? Let's see okay. if we can do that. Uh, we're going to try and do that right now. And let's see here. Folks, we're so sorry for the the issue of... Hi, is this the East Ram School of the Arts in South Africa? Yes, it is, Gail. Mr. Edom, welcome, and Mr. Tabane, welcome. Sure. Just hold on. Thank you. We have uh, we've had some technical difficulties here with the audience. We're very proud to uh, announce to you, audience members that are listening with us, that we have the East Rand School of the Arts. We have the headmaster, Mr. Edom, and we have the head of community outreach and the visual arts department, Mr. Mumuti Tabane. Mr. Tabane and Mr. Edom, I think you know Mr. Logan, and we're just so happy to have you here. You know, um, if you don't mind, Mr. Edom and Mr. Tabane, we'd love to go right into the questions with you since we've lost a bit of time. Would that be okay with you? No, it's fine. It's fine. We can go on. Yes, thank you. So you're live on the radio, uh, Mr. Tabane and Mr. Edom. Uh, you know, Jay and I have really been re – it's been a pleasure for us to be connected with your school since last year. And, you know, we would love for you to share, you know, a little bit about what the East Rand School of the Arts is about and what you provide for the kids there. Would you do that for us in our audience? Okay. We, 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 we are a school of the arts. Uh, we, are established, we were established in 1999 uh, after a need for a school providing the arts to the formerly disadvantaged communities was identified. 
the idea was conceived by the fact that uh, at that time there were only two art schools in, in the Gauteng province, uh, namely the National Schools of the Arts, uh, where people like Shadis uh, Theron comes from, come from, and through art in Pretoria. Now, Eastern School of the Arts was built to, to allow optimal utilization of a scarce resource in the arts education, uh, especially by the historically disadvantaged communities, uh, such as the following way uh, students hail from uh, areas around uh, uh, Davyton. Now, what we offer is uh, about uh, five uh, genres of arts. We we offering uh, music, we offering uh, dramatic arts, we offering dance studies, uh, design, and visual arts. Those are subjects that we give in addition to the academic subjects that we give. We 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 have grade eight up to grade nine, sorry, up to grade twelve learners. Wow, that's uh, that's interesting. So you know, in with with this happening, you know, my question to you is, what are the requirements for students to enter into your into your school? What what we do usually we we audition uh, learners to, to, to into our school, uh, looking at the talent that they have, uh, their performance uh, are they above average, and then uh, if 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 we our our educators will just identify if a learner has that ability, uh, that art that needs to be nurtured, and then that learner is, is 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 then accepted into the school after we audition them. Uh, but we don't we don't we don't we don't uh, turn turn down uh, learners uh, because. Uh, mostly, uh, these from to our, uh, our formerly disadvantaged communities, our learners are not exposed to uh, piano lessons, to ballet at an early age, that is at, at, at about six, seven years. Uh, they, they, they become exposed to such uh, art, art uh, at the age around about 13, 14. So we don't turn down learners. We, we take learners uh, from age 12, even if they don't have that background, we try by all means that by the time they reach grade 12, they have that skill, they've gained, they've gained that skill. Okay, wow. Okay. That's, that's pretty interesting. Um, how do you, in terms of your kids, in terms of them going to school, okay, in terms of them going to school, how does it work um, do, do children have to pay to go to school in South Africa? I really want our audience to know about that. Do children have to pay to go to school? And and from my understanding, you know there's ignorance here, is it usually that the boys are chosen to go to school sometimes in family so that the daughters can stay behind to help the fa you know families? It has to be a choice between whether the boy or girl goes to school. Can you explain how you know schooling is in South Africa for us? Okay. Uh, in, in South Africa, learners can, can and to, uh, both sexes can go to school. Uh, oh, and to, our education is open. Uh, in our case, in South Africa, in, in, in our area, uh, we accept boys, both boys and girls. Uh, in our school, uh, it's, 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 it's free education uh, from grade zero up to grade up to grade nine. Uh, but now we, we, we still, uh, the government is still looking at up until FET, that is further education and training. Uh, but uh, for learners, for, for, for our learners who are from grade, from grade 0 to grade 9 plus, grade 10 to 12, 
education is free of charge, and every child has to be at school uh, because the education is free. We get subsidy, uh, a subsidy from, from the government as a school. Uh, we are a fee-paying school because in South Africa we have non-fee-paying schools and fee-paying schools. We are a fee-paying school. Uh, never mind that we also get a little bit of, 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 of subsidy from the government. We charge about 1,200 rands. Uh, I don't know how much is it at, at the current exchange in dollars. Uh, but uh, we do allow learners. If learners don't have money, if parents can't pay their school fees, we, we allow them to come in because uh, we, we're looking at, 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 at nurturing a, a skill that they have, nat and a natural talent that they have. And we want them, when they, when they graduate from our school, they go into the arts industry so that they, 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 they contribute to us and the economy of, of South Africa. So our school uh, is, I can say, we have about... 40% to 45% of our learners who are unable to pay school fees, and we accept them in, 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 into our school. We don't turn them away. Uh, and the 50% or 55% that is remaining do pay the school fees, which is very, very little as compared to a similar school uh, like National School of the Arts, uh, which, is, which is very much expensive. But our school is more uh, reachable to, to, to the surrounding community, uh, taking into consideration uh, the socioeconomic uh, activities of, of, of the community that we, we are serving. Uh, so we're trying by all means that uh, whatever, the little that we have, our learners can be able to share amongst themselves. How long has, how long, how long has the ERSA been established? How long, and what is the capacity of, of kids in your school? How many kids attend, and how long has your school uh, been, been around? I, Jay, we, 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 were, we, were, we were established in, 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 in 1999, uh, uh, but the concept was, 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 was incepted correctly in 2003. Uh, so we, we have been there for about 12 years or so. Uh, and uh, our, our, our learners, how you said the question was, how do they come to school? Am I correct? Uh, the capacity. How many kids do you have there? Okay, we, we, we are a very, a, very, a very small school because of the ratio of uh, uh, in, 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 the special, in, in the special classes where you find that in, in music, for instance, it must be a one-on-one, -on -one, for instance, uh, the teacher to, one, teacher to one educator, right? But because of the scarce, scarcity of the commodities, we, you find that in classes, our classes are, are, are a bit bigger. Say one is to 15, one is to 20. But in total, the school, we have this year 478 learners. 478 learners. Okay, that's, a, that's wonderful. Now, now, how many, how many teachers per class? Excuse me, how many teachers per class? For instance, we have about, about six teachers uh, who are teaching music, uh, and then, uh, but the problem is the number of learners that we have who are doing music. It's more than, than oh. what is that supposed to be there. Uh, and, and, but as I said earlier on, we, 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 we do with what the little that we have, we are able to, to, to train our learners to become good musicians, good artists, you know, good actors, and, uh, and good dancers. When, when you're in the music uh, classes, do you use traditional South African instruments also? Yeah, what, what, what we have done now of late, we, we, I think it was two years back, 
we we introduced uh, the, the African into African music, uh, African drumming, uh, the marimba, uh, and and other African 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 instruments. We do them. We do Western Western instruments, violins, and all that. And then we also do African music also. Even in dance, we do have we do have contemporary Western, and then we have also African dance. And is that also in the digital visual arts too? For uh, African art, you use uh, a lot of the uh, African artwork also. Yeah, yes. Internal, uh, the, 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 what we are looking at is the, in in every department we look also at at the African art, African art, African designing, uh, African artists. Uh, you know, so that we we can we, we can easily compare it probably to to the Western 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 artists. You know. The, uh, on the technology side, do you guys teach uh, a lot of the digital new computer um, how to use the new software and the new um, programs that's on the computers? And what computers do you have at your school? Jay, Jay what, what, what we are doing now, because of, of uh, the national curriculum statements, uh, sorry, the, 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 the curriculum assessment policy statements that were introduced last year uh, in, in, in grade 10, uh, our learners must do some some uh, uh, music technology. So at our school presently, we we are looking for for people who can be able to help us probably in setting up a studio, a recording studio for our learners. We do have uh, a few computers uh, uh, that can be able to help our learners, but we we need a fully fledged uh, 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 recording studio for our learners so that they can be able to program, they can be able to compose. In our in our design studio, for instance, we also need computers for our learners who can be able to to design using techno recent te 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 technology. Uh, but we we steadily steadily moving there, but uh, we we need also some su su some support. Okay. You know, it's very interesting, um, Mr. Um, Edom. I, I have a few questions also for both you and Mr. Tabane. Mr. Tabane, are you there? Just a little, okay, Mr. Tabane. Hi, Jay. Hi there. You know, we um, so to our audience, this is Mr. Tabane, who is head of the visual arts program and a teacher there and also the community outreach. Mr. Tabane, as Mr. Edom has shared with us, you know, about several things, as being head of the visual arts, I'd like to know what type of visual arts are your students currently learning right now? At present, we are looking at, uh, we develop them from uh, design and drawing, and then we also develop them to painting. Due to resources, we can't like uh, introduce them to jewelry. We can't introduce them to sculpture because we don't have those type of workshops. But we are working much on uh, design and drawing, and then they work on paper to produce uh, collage uh, paintings or collage uh, drawings, and then they finally do their paintings on masonite board or on canvas losses. And then at some stages, uh, there are a group of learners that we are working with whereby they work into multimedia visuals, photography, capturing the events of the school, and then we also go to another functions, for example, district functions or the metro functions. I and then they also video film those types of events. My question to you is with the, the, the paintings that they do on Canvas, all right? Do you, do you often um, create shows for those paintings to be seen within the community? Yes, we have uh, 
actually after I have joined the school, I have uh, collected a lot of works that were not framed, and then we did frame them. And then last year, August, we had our first uh, exhibition to public that was held at the school. And then uh, we spoke with the district to tour our exhibition, and then they were taking an uh, exhibition to uh, near a gallery springs, and then they also considered the Emperor's Palace, which is in uh, Boxback. So up to so far, we had that one, and then next week we will be having another show to public uh, on Wednesday up until Friday. So are you saying that many of your students' works have also been seen in art galleries in, in some parts of South Africa? Yes, they did. Uh, we do expose them to uh, institutions like that. For example, between Pretoria and Johannesburg, I have been out with them to visit artists also who've got uh, their own studios uh, in Mamelodi, in uh, Pretoria Central. Uh, they have been to Johannesburg at galleries and uh, the Museum Africa. They have been exposed to that uh, institutions. Now, I know that you are also responsible for community outreach. And, you, and for you and, in, and being in South Africa, what is community outreach in your school? What does that mean exactly? And and please be mindful, Mr. Tavane, that we are not, if you could share with us, you know, we don't know some of your community. So if it's in Johannesburg, Gauteng, or Pretoria, share with us what, you know, what, what you do with community outreach with the students. Uh, well, firstly, we, we, we made our learners to understand that what they learn they have to share with the communities. And then sharing with the communities is not about uh, making money. It's more about exposing the talent that they have and then also assisting the communities in different examples. For example, there are the rural sites that we have been out with them assisting in uh, events like uh, Mandela Day whereby learners were performing for the audience uh, when an organization was raising funds to assist an old age there and then they participated there by entertaining people so that people can come and then donate more for the community, uh, for the old age that we were focusing on. And then also around Davidson, whereby we are making awareness for drug and alcohol abuse, where learners are painting murals, where learners are painting walls to say this is not uh, acceptable. They are also communicating a message of a moral generation. Wow. So, you know, my my next question, my uh, last question is to, okay, um, is to you and actually Mr. Edom. Is Mr. Edom still present? Um, yes. Mr. Mr. Edom and Mr. Dabane, uh, if you could tell us, do do the, I heard Mr. Edom, you spoke about the different African drums and so forth. So in addition to mainstream instruments such as the violin, the you know the, whether it's the violin or whether it's the guitar, do they also play South African instruments? Instruments that are made within South Africa, and if they do, what are those instruments? Uh, actually, they use more of the Western type of instrument, mostly because uh, we've got the jazz uh, band whereby they use the saxophone, they use the piano, they use the drums and the clarinet. Although we have the African uh, uh, types of drums, the djembe, 
which are more used by the marimba group and then the marimba instrument and then we don't have more of other african instruments that we have the, the drums that you use are those african drums made in south africa yes they are made in south africa oh can you share with us um are there different types of drums made in south africa you know at all yeah, the, we 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 we've got uh, the djembe drum. We have the ndomba drum, which is more like uh, it's more like uh, from the side of Venda. Uh, that uh, the most of the Venda in the north of South Africa are using. Wow. Okay. And then the last question I have for you, myself. I know that Jay has some other questions. My other question for you, Mr. Tavani, with regards to the art. What do these students paint art that is reflective of their home or their experiences or, or their future? What do you most, and, and as being their teacher, what does a lot of their art depict? Can you share that with us? Yes. Uh, actually, like in the first term of the year, uh, between January and March, that's when uh, I give them a more of a type of activities whereby they show their background. Uh, for example, if I will give a, a theme of abuse so that I can understand how they understand the, uh, abuse. And then some will reflect some of the things that are happening within the society and then also that are happening within their families. And then you can extract from how the learner has approached the work and then if you ask some of the people disclose that, no, I'm doing this because I have seen this happening within my family. I have seen this happening within my community. So at some stages, they are not activities for the sake of producing artworks, but they are also telling stories about the life that they live in their communities and their families. That's wonderful. Um, Mr. Damani, this is Jay. Um, I had a question about curriculum, and I wanted to know uh, some of the fundamental subjects that you teach there. We didn't get into that. And, uh, Mr. Edom, you can talk and answer the question, some of the objective subjects that you have there. So maybe both of you guys can split the question in half and, and give us uh, some of the fundamental subjects that you teach and some of the elective subjects. Uh, on the elective subjects that we are teaching, we are more about uh, uh, accounting and the science subjects. We have business studies, we have accounting, we have economics, and then we have also physical science, which are more of the electives. And then mathematics, it's a, a chosen subject, but it's compulsory that if a learner is not studying mathematics, he or she should study mathematical literacy. And then we are also offering these five uh, art disciplines, which is dance, drama, music, design, and visual art. And then they have to choose two languages. One has to be additional, and the other one is a home language. That's wonderful. Do you do you have a lot of school prodigies where you see gifted kids when they come and you already know that these are gifted students that come in early and you already pretty much know they're prodigies? Do you get a lot of prodigies in there in your school? Yes, there are a lot of learners who are coming in that regard. For example, you'll find that Elena was studying in other schools and then they are referred to our school because of uh, the belief that we can assist in that regard. So we enroll a lot of learners in that area. 
That's 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 great. That's great. Now now does your school? I mean, you guys do all the curriculum and you do all the visual arts. This question is kind of <laughs> different. Do you have? Do you do any sport like football or any other things that for uh, for like uh, you know physical education? Do you have that thing going on there also for health? Uh, those are co-curricular activities. They are not mainly in the curriculum. For example, the Minister of Sports is uh, introducing that sports must be taken seriously into the schools because uh, it was not to the standard. So then we are having like a Wednesdays whereby learners are taking sports as something that they have to do every week, every Wednesday. But at the beginning of the year, we have a programs like, for example, athletics, they are seasonal, they come at the beginning of the year, and then we will pass that period, and then we will focus on sporting activities like soccer, netball, volleyball, uh, tennis, and chess, and other indoor games that they focus on throughout the year. But it's only up until September where everything stops, and then we start to focus on the final examination during that time. But there are also co-curricular activities that our learners are exposed to. For example, in visual art, there is a competition that uh, comes annually at around this time, and then the closing date is around July, whereby our learners are focusing on math, science, and technology, but they produce artworks interpreting how science and technology can combine into art. And then the learners in dance and drama, they also participate in Saharuna programs, whereby at that moment they show their talent, but it's not part of the curriculum, it's co-curricular activities. Mr. Devane, thank you so much for that. Mr. Devane, we have a, a very interesting thing. We're going to introduce shortly Robin Crespo, who's with ING Activewear. Now, what ING Activewear actually does is is they actually um, br- they bring in p- people. I'm sorry, bring it. They make jackets for malaria. Now, I do I do know that. In South Africa, the malaria situation is not that much. But there are people in other parts of Africa that do, you know, that do experience this. And so what we would love to do is have you meet Mr. Crespo. He does a lot of work with various African countries. He's developed this jacket that's really great. It's fashionable. And it's fabric that stops the, the mosquitoes from coming through so that students and adults and that need to get to work or school, the mosquitoes are not biting them and causing the malaria. And the reason why we wanted to connect you and Mr. Edom and Mr. Dabani along with what we're doing is this is something where it would allow the students of your school to connect with other people, in, you know, other students in Africa to spread the word yes. and also to share their work through, you know, and support this, you know, galleon effort. So, you know, without further ado, we're going to, we'd like to introduce Mr. Crespo. Mr. Crespo, are you there? I don't know what's going on. We, for whatever reason, we can't hear Mr. Crespo. Okay. Mr. Crespo? Can, can you hear us? I, we seem to be having an issue here, Jay. I don't know what's going on. We can't hear Mr. Crespo. Mr. Crespo, we're going to try, we're going to try again. Thank, hold on. 
Mr. Sabani, Mr. Sabani, I'd like to ask you, could you take us through a full day with a kid when they come to school, what time they get to school, and what time they go home? Could you kind of take us a little bit, like a, a little tour what a kid has to do, like the first hour they go to their math class, the second hour? Could you give us an example of how, if I was coming to your school, what my schedule would be like? Okay. Uh, we have a full-time schooling between Mondays and Friday, Monday to Fridays, and then our learners are expected to be at school for seven hours, and then our contact time is uh, between 8 o'clock and quarter to 3. But what normally happens is... I'm, Hello? I'm, yes, I'm sorry. We're uh, bringing someone... Uh... The number you dialed is not in service. We're sorry. This is just really... Okay, I'm sorry. Go right ahead, sir. Yes. On, on Mondays, like for example, we are having an assembly whereby we have our, our gathering announcement announcement to the children for the whole week, and then there are also learners who perform. For example, learners who does an uh, outreach program, they will uh, showcase what they have done into their communities uh, during the weekends, and then we also give out the oh. certificate during that time. And then... Uh, on Wednesday, our contact time doesn't uh, run up until uh, quarter to three because we have to accommodate sports. Our period normally runs for 45 minutes per period. Then uh, on sports day and also Fridays, we cut them uh, 10 minutes and then we have them for 35 minutes so that we can accommodate sport activities. But there are also extra classes that are taking place during the afternoon where learners who want to develop uh, themselves and also catch up on other things they are using the afternoon time up until 4 o'clock and between 5 o'clock. That is wonderful. And I heard you say you, you, the kids get to do showcases of what they've done on the weekends. So you, get to, you have that kind of thing going on there, which we don't have in our country. So <laughs> that's wonderful. And the kids get the activities on the weekends other than just watching TV or they get to continue their education, which is uh, amazing. <laughs> yes, actually they are more involved because if if you realize, for example, in our jazz band, uh, you'll find that most of the the players in the group, they are also playing in different groups in their communities, in their churches. And then they also invite their fellow peers to their communities and groups so that they can share what they have. So they are tending to be busy at the at the weekends. Wow. Does does any of the graduates come back to the school either to work as a teacher or to come back and support the schools, any of the graduates? Uh yes, there are who we are inviting to come and participate at the school, not necessarily that they come and work at the school, but they come to motivate our learners. For example, we have our popular summer awards winner, Lira, who has adopted the school, and then she is assisting the school. She was born in Davidson. She grew up in Davidson, and then she realized that it's one of her ways to plow back to the community where she was raised. So then she's part of the school, and then also the people who are still studying at the universities, they are coming just to motivate our learners to say, guys, you should realize when our educators are saying we have to work hard, work hard because 
out there in the university, uh, universities and technical is more harder than what we have been doing at the schools. You're absolutely right. And Mr. Dabani, we thank you. We finally got everything together and working correctly. And now we're going to bring on Mr. Crespo. So if you and Mr. Idam would stay on with us just for a little while longer, it would really be great. Without, without further ado, we are going to bring on here Mr. Crespo. Okay. Hello? Mr. Crespo, how are you? Hi, how are you? Finally, we're so sorry for the uh, the inconvenience. Uh, Mr. Crespo, this is Jay Logan, and we also have Mr. Dabani and also Mr. Edom from the South African School East uh, East Rand School of the Arts. So, gentlemen, please meet Mr. Crespo, who's invented um, through ING Activewear, a wonderful fabric and a, a very uh, fashionable jacket to help fight against uh, the disease of malaria. So, Mr. Crespo, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, and, and Mr. Crespo, this is Jay Logan, our co-host here. Mr. Logan? Hello, hello, Mr. Crespo. Pleasure. Hi, Jay. How are you? Okay. I'm great. Mr. Crespo, you know, we were just sharing um, with Mr. Tabani and Mr. Edom that we know that malaria is not as, you know, as... as a hurdle as much in South Africa at all as it is in so many countries. And, you know, such a wonderful thing that you've invented. We'd like to ask you, how did you, you know, become interested in doing something like this? And and where did it all start? Like, where did you get this idea and what motivated you to do this? You know, I'm a uh, fashion designer by trade. And this year we had uh, the largest fashion show uh, New York City on, on board the USS Intrepid to the tune of about 1,200 people. And um, this all started, I actually engineered a fabric in 2006, which was fully recycled. I used uh, plastic bottles to create a fabric, um, which I then used for a bathing suit line because I figured if you were going to go swimming, why would you want to wait for your bathing suit to dry? And um, with the success of my first fabric, it led me into creating this second fabric, um, and really, the the motivation was to um, create a fabric where mosquitoes um, um, wouldn't uh, come near you or, or want to bite you. And at the time, I really had no idea how devastating malaria was um, in Africa. Um, since then, I've met with um, over 29 countries from Botswana to um, Cameroon, Ethiopia, Ghana, uh, Kenya, Liberia, Malawi, uh, Mozambique, Nambia, um, Rwanda, Senegal, Tanzania, and the list goes on and on. And overwhelming support um, we've received from the ambassadors of these countries. And um, we're working our way into into um, Africa. We've been there now um, for over a year in uh, Uganda, where everyone that has received our product has not contracted malaria. Um, it's a very simple um, um, product. When you wear the product, um, the mosquitoes do not bite you. So if you stop the mosquito from biting you, um, you effectively stop the disease. Well, you know, one of the questions I have for you, Mr. Tabane and Mr. Edom and uh, Mr. Crespo, as you know that this is a South African school, and students can spread the word very quickly, Mr. Crespo, okay? How do you think that, a con you know, countries could support you and partnering up with you, Mr. Crespo, to spread the word about what you have created and to help you get the, you know, physically get these jackets out. I think one of the ways is um, we're asking people um, on the ground in Africa to write letters 
um, you know, not only to us, but also to um, to their uh, ambassadors and to their presidents and to their ministries of health. Um, and as they forward those letters to those folks and send them to us, it gives us the ammunition that uh, allows us to even negotiate with our own government um, to get this product um, into the hands that so desperately need it. So if these children um, have a heart um, for other children um, in Africa, um, we believe that uh, if, if they get behind this in, in one united voice, I think we can make a big difference. Oh, Mr. Tabane and Mr. Eden, are you there? Yes, we are here, Gail. Yes, we'd love to know what do you think you could do, you know, with Mr. Crespo creating such an amazing article of clothing to fight malaria, what do you think the students in your school could do, maybe with the music to help raise monies for that, or, you know, you know, possibly have your students help to spread the word, word the word in, like, Botswana and other countries that he's met with? <coughs> Yeah, I think the possibilities could be like, for example, on the visual outside. Uh, you know, when uh, they can come up with something that is more artistic and creative, but also saying the message on pro uh, protection of human beings on the malaria disease based on the mosquitoes, which are the cause to malaria. And then also uh, bed sanitation, because I guess... Uh, if you don't use a good water, there's a problem uh, that you can face due to malaria. But also the music, uh, we, we know in many times we create something like a musical, whereby the, uh, the artist will come up with something to visualize, but the music people will also join in with the drama people. I think if I team up with other departments like the drama and the dance and the music, we can come up with a musical that can spread the message about the the disease. Mr. Crespo, maybe through that um, and whatever, anything that we can offer to support you in getting the word out, getting people to purchase the jackets, and, you know, anything. Is there anything else, you know, that you would like to share with us, Mr. Crespo? I know you're doing a wonderful documentary called Five on Monday. We are. Um, our documentary takes us into um, five countries in Africa where um, we explore the current government and the distribution of the bed nets. Um, we've seen that through the statistics of the bed nets that um, in some countries malaria has been reduced um, as much as 30, 40, and in some places 60%. Um, the only problem with the bed net is that in order for it to work, you have to sleep under it. Um, and typically people sleep under their nets from five to six hours. So what happens when you go to school, what happens when you go to work, um, or you come from school or work? Um, and our product gives mobility, um, where the bed net is a stationary item. So um, building on that success, um, we believe that we can um, um, really effectively cover someone during the times that they're exposed to these biting uh, mosquitoes. And, um, you know, one of our initiatives here in the United States is when someone buys one, um, here, we actually make a donation um, to someone that, that would need uh, a mosquito armor hoodie um, in Africa. So we have a lot of uh, women out there that, that send us um, uh, responses and, and, and telling us that they use their mosquito armor for gardening um, and, you know, outdoor use and, and that their kids are, you know, um, go hiking and camping with them. Um, but every time that a, an item is purchased here, it, it actually um, spreads the message um, to Africa and gets a, a unit to someone in need. To share a little bit about the uh, the 
movie and and what it will depict and the you know and the documentary of it. Well, you know, we're um, we're we're exploring the uh, the actual governments to um, to to really see how they're distributing um, and what they're currently doing to fight malaria. Um, a lot of these governments are receiving funding from our government, um, and we want to we really want to show the success behind the bed net. Then what happens is um, part of this documentary, I sit bedside with um, with five children in five countries who've contracted malaria. And I sit with them on Monday, and statistically, um, the chances of of some of these children surviving are, are, you know, I mean, probably three of the children out of the five um, will will pass away um, due to malaria. And although this is a taboo um, uh, topic in in media, um, the reality is is that if someone doesn't step up and and really create a voice and a visual image behind this. Um, a lot of folks just don't know how serious malaria is um, and how devastating it, it's having its effects on Africa and how many children it's actually stealing away on a daily basis. You know, if you look at um, uh, Nigeria alone, um, the statistic last year, 250,000 children died from malaria. Um, so by by adding a, a visual um, um, to malaria, we believe that um, we can get people activated to ultimately step up and give children more Mondays. Um, and we're reducing this down, um, and our next fashion show is going to be centered around sponsoring one yard. And um, we've got our, our yardage down to um, $5 a yard um, for this next fashion show. So we believe um, that if we can get yardage into Africa, um, having our product made by African hands so that they can protect their own children is really the way to go. And we believe that this... This um, movie gives that that visual and voice um, to what we're doing. Uh, Mr. Crespo, this is Jay. Um, I had a question about code purple. I was wondering why did you choose the color purple, and could you go into a little detail and let us know why is it called purple, and why did you, why did you choose the color purple? Well, we um, we chose the color purple. Um, well, I often say that the color purple chose us. Um, you know, as we were working on engineering this fabric. Um, this color purple kept appearing um, throughout our different dye lots, and it actually performed better than any of the other fabric um, dyes. And as we started to do further research, um, because initially I wanted the product to be white, and and then from there just allow people to um, be able to embellish it whichever way they felt. Um, but what we realized is that in certain countries and certain cultures, if I gave someone a white garment, I could actually um, offend them by calling them a witch. Um, and as we further, as we did further research in, in other countries, if you give a woman a pair of pants, you're actually um, accusing her of prostitution. So being very sensitive to the um, uh, multitude of cultures that we're working in in, in the multitude of countries, um, purple was the only color that um, really rose above all the other colors, and it's a, it's a color of royalty. And um, there are, you know, we met with one or two countries where um, purple is, is used um, during a time of mourning. Um, but when we were sitting with the, um, the ambassadors, they said, you know, um, this is, although this is, is a symbol in our country for mourning, um, purple will become a, a color of celebration of, in, in, our, in our country because of, of what this color means now through this technology. And um, the term code purple actually came up by our, um, was presented to me by our art director, 
Michael Gibbs. Um, he was very hesitant about um, presenting it to me because um, it was very closely linked to um, um, hospitals. And um, we weren't sure whether we were going to be able to um, actually control and trademark the name. So when they presented it to me, I immediately um, said, absolutely, that's it, because it is a call to action, and it is a medical um, uh, reason why we're joining um, hands, because malaria does kill. So Code Purple became our, our call to action, and um, surprisingly, we were, we were actually able to, um, to uh, trademark it and, um, and, and, and be able to license it. So we own the name Code Purple. It's pretty surprising. Wonderful. Is this is this product just just to guard against mosquitoes, or will it work on other insects also, bees, killer bees, hornets, or is it just specifically for mosquitoes? You know, it actually works um, for for uh, ticks that carry Lyme disease. Um, wow. Shiggers. Yeah. So you know, and that's something that we don't even um, we haven't even started to speak about, um, and it hasn't even entered into a lot of our marketing language, but. Um, you know, with this light winter in the States, um, and I was with a neurologist uh, a couple of weeks ago. He's like, Robin, he's like, this, the, the tick population um, that are carrying Lyme disease is going to explode um, in the Northeast. He's like, um, you know, I know your product works for, for, um, for these, to, to ward off these ticks. He's like, you should really um, consider um, starting to talk about that. Um, but, you know, I've been so um, so wrapped up and my heart is, is just completely for um, these children uh, in Africa dying from malaria. So I haven't really been able to take my eye off it, but the product works for um, chiggers, um, uh, biting flies, um, ticks, mosquitoes. Um, we haven't tested it for um, for killer bees, um, so I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't say whether it works for that yet, but we will uh, we'll run it through the gamut. <laughs> well, Mr. Crespo, I, I have a question. What is it that you love so much about the African continent? Yeah, it's really the people. Um, you know, we've um we've we've been exposed um uh, to so many different countries. Um and there's just there's a joy um and and a beauty behind um the people that um for me it's just it's it's almost it's something so pure. Um, but I also believe that the the passions and the desires of my heart, I believe, are placed there by God. So um, I, I can't say as I was growing up that I ever thought that my work would take me to Africa. Um, but it has, um, you know, over the, the last two years, uh, my heart is just set on Africa and the people there. Um, and I hope that, you know, um, that I'm able to make a, a, a slight difference you know, after speaking with so many of the ambassadors, um, you know, one of the things that we're making sure that we do with this product is that we transfer the the wealth of the um, manufacturing to Africa. So we're talking to to many countries about actually bringing in the manufacturing um, into Africa, so that this product can be made by African hands, impact not only the local economy but also uh, impact the national economy, um, and being able to bring that trade um, um, into Africa because. Half of the world's population is in danger of uh, contracting malaria. I mean, that's how big and serious this thing is. So is there any, can you tell us how, you know, we've already uh, shared with us, you know, how people can get involved. Our question for you then is, you know, at this point right now, 
first of all, we want to let you know that Listen Give, Jay Logan, and myself and our partners will be partnering up with you to get the word out and seeing how we can support your movie and anything else that you need of us. I appreciate that. No, I really do. You know, it it takes a unified voice. Um, you know, I've I've started something, but um, this thing has has only gotten to where it is now um, because there's so many folks that have said, you know what, um, I'm going to do something. And um, whether it is clicking the like button on the Facebook page, um, or sending out an email to someone, or sending me even an article, um, you know, there's so many people now that are that are really getting activated because this is a game changer through clothing we can actually stop the bite of the mosquito that transmits malaria it's a game changer for africa um you know this disease is is so devastating in kenya kenya loses over 170 million working days a year due to malaria um and in some some countries um like nigeria over 60 percent of the medical resources are allocated towards fighting malaria um, so it's draining out the the resources of the country. It's making its people sick. If they don't die, they're they're um, they're not even able to um, uh, maximize their crops on on their lands if they're if they're producing crops. Um, and in some some countries, um, when someone is sick from malaria, they lose up to sixty percent of their crops for that year. So it's devastating financially on a local level. Um, their children are being carted off at night uh, by the by the boogeyman. You know. Um, never to be seen again. So this is a game changer. So, um, but it takes many folks just lending their voice, um, lending their resource um, to really get this message out because we we can really do something big here in Africa. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time, Mr. Crespo. And can you let our people know where they can go to your websites to support the movie that you're creating, ING Activewear, and Code Purple Event? Yeah, if you go to um, CodePurpleEvent.com, if you go on there, you can actually see um, our last show. Um, There's a video clip on there, and you can then dial into um, uh, the YouTube channel, and we've got, you know, 25 videos leading up to the show. Um, you can also support there. You can either uh, make a, a purchase of your own personal hoodie, um, or you can even make a donation at Code Purple Event. Um, if you want to go directly to our um, design house, uh, you can go to ingactivewear.com, uh, ingactivewear.com. And if you want to watch a clip on uh, the documentary, you would go to 5onmonday.com. Thank you so much. and. As I said, we will be connecting with you and partnering up with you around around this in any way that we can. Hey, one last thing, you know, um, is that you know you'd ask me, um, you know, what the what can folks do? Um, and we have we have a team member that came on board. Her name is Violet, and I mean she's just been so vigilant um, in spreading this word. And, and really, I'm on I'm on the radio with you today because of Violet's efforts. And I just want to thank her um, for for just a job well done and, and really being, um, you know, an advocate for, for the for the children in, in Africa. And I, I really just want to say thank you. And we want to say thank, thank you to Violet as well. Violet is an amazing woman and so fiercely committed to people globally. I mean, she's one of those people who really puts her heart out. She does. 
she does. And I just wanted to recognize that because, um, you know, she she really, I mean, she's giving it all she can. Um, and I know that um, this message today will be heard by somebody. And because of Violet, there's a difference being made. And I just want to thank her for that. Yes, and we want to thank her, too, because she's a very good friend of mine as well. And um, I care for her very deeply. So thank you, Mr. Crespo. We will be in contact with you and Violet. Okay. We thank you so much for having me. Oh, yes, and thank you so much for being on. This This is the kind of stuff that we love about making a difference. Really making a difference. And, we, and, and have a... Um, have a wonderful day, and we thank you. And um, we're going to ask that you have a good day, and, and we'll see more from us on our website as well with your information, sir. Thanks so much. Okay. And, Jay, we're going to close out with, um, for one more minute, we're going to close out with the uh, the schools and um, and and ask them, to share, you know, how they can be reached as well. Okay? Okay. All right. And so, you know, Jay, while we're bringing the schools on, can you share, you know, what has today meant to you? I know we, and we thank our audience for being so, you know, also so understanding because, as you know, we have truly, truly uh, had technical difficulties today. Uh, today has been a, a wonderful day. We had a great uh, time on the show and, He's teaching us how to reinvent ourselves and what branding means uh, on a global scale even. Uh, that was very, very interesting talking to him, and we would love to have him back on the show because I just had more questions with him. Um, the school has been great. I mean, it's such a different way of education, such a different way of education uh, that they do out there, you know, and I, I like the fact that even on the weekends they revisit what they learned in their community and have community showcases. It's been wonderful. Hello. And just to let you know, Mr. Edom and Mr. Tabani, we're going to close out the show right now. And we just wanted to thank you for being on the show with us today and sharing so much about the school. If you could let our audience know what your website is so that they can visit you there. Uh, unfortunately, our website at this stage is not running Okay. 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 Mr. Didom is telling me that it's running. Uh, we are at www.ersa.co.za. Thank you. And again, for those who may or may or not have heard, Mr. Idom, it is www.ersa.co.za. And yes. folks, you may also come to listengive.com and also uh, facebook.com forward slash listengive. We are partnering up with both Mr. Crespo and the East Rand School of the Arts. We will be raising funding for the East Rand School of the Arts. We want you to know that it's anywhere from 172 to 200 U.S. dollars to send a child to school. Um, in some parts of Africa, and also directly to the East Rand School of the Arts. So in closing out, Mr. Um, Mr. Edom, what would you like to say to our audience? Hi. Hi, again. Yes, Mr. Edom? Yes, ma'am. We're closing out our show and wanted to know what your last words would be to the audience. Uh we, as, as a school of, of, of focused learning in the arts, we, we, we would really like to see ourselves being uh, in, in, you know, on, on, on the international line, uh, meaning standards, 
ensuring that our learners are co- competitive even interna- uh, internationally. And uh, our wish is that uh, if, 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 if as a school we, we can be able to produce such learners, be exposed to the international standards, probably if, if, if there are such schools like in America whereby we can be able to exchange uh, our learners go to that site in, in the U.S., come and, into and see what's happening in that site, and we have people coming this side to come and see what is happening in our school. Probably if we have people who can be able to come and ass- who can be able to assist us with material, that will be much, much well appreciated. We will see to that, Mr. Ran, and we will support you in such and connecting you with schools in the U.S. so that your students and the students of the U.S. and other countries can connect. With that said, we thank you for being on, and we will send. Uh, we will be connecting with you soon. Thank you, sir, for your time. Thank, thank you. We thank you very much, man. All right, bye bye. Well, Jay, that's it for today, and thank you for being on today as usual. <laughs> it was very, very educational, very motivating, and with a lot of fun. Yes, even through our technical difficulties, sir. I will talk to you soon. Okay.